All right, welcome back to Weaves and Weights. This is the, I don't even know what interview this is, the second, the third, the something, but today we have a very good friend of mine, Dan Wartner. He has a bachelor's in kinesiology, a master's in sports psych, which I didn't know, fun fact. Uh, he was a personal trainer for a long time. He worked at Harvard with me. That's how we kind of connected. It's been, what, 10 years now, Dan? Almost? Uh, I, I think just three. No, it's been longer than that. It's yeah. been three. 2020 minus 2017. Pretty sure it's three. Ten years. Feels like ten. Ten Feels years. Like 10. We've known each other forever. Um, <laughs> you know, so he went from there to uh, Atlanta United Football Club, and he was a sports uh, scientist, technically. Was that your title when you were there, sports scientist? Yeah, the, the job title is there. They all kind of change, but it's it's all pretty much the same. Okay. I, I think sport yeah. performance is probably the most um, relatable because it's not just strength and conditioning. There is right. some sports science aspects to it. Um, so that's that's why I always say sport performance. Okay. I think it encompasses it. Sports performance. And now he is at the uh, USPNT. So that's the – you're going to have to explain this a little bit better because I still am, like, struggling to understand this. But – he is the you're the not the head, but you're one of the sports performance at USA, basically soccer, Paralympics, beach soccer, futsal. You do all the extended soccers, correct? Like all the different right. That most so people I work, don't know. Exist. Yeah. So I work <laughs> with the extended national team branch, which um, I'm the only sport performance coach there right now. Okay. Um, and it's kind of a new field for the extended branch. Um, of course, they have it with the the main national teams, but this mm -hmm. extended branch, we're, we're trying to, to really um, increase the role of, you know, sport performance with these teams. Right, um, right. And so I'm with four teams right now, which is uh, the men's beach national team, women's beach national team, um, men's Paralympic team, and men's futsal team. And then we're looking at adding a women's Paralympic team, which would be next year i think we're trying to okay trying to start that um but yeah this is uh it's the extended national team branch is is growing um a lot of people don't know that these national teams exist yeah. um but they're uh they're very exciting sports to watch and it's it's a great level of, of soccer um and yeah so we're just continuing to to try and grow it and gain more popularity so let's uh, tell tell people a little bit about your background, like how you got started, how your path went through into finding the USNPT and stuff like that. Like, how did you even get there? How does that? How was that whole pathway? I mean, obviously we met at Harvard, and we were both at the same the same level at that point, being like, "What the hell do we want to do in strength and conditioning? What is strength and conditioning? Is it really just this, or is there more to it?" You know. So tell people about you, what you do, you know, a little bit more about that. Right. So, yeah, I was, um, I was doing personal training before, before coming up to Harvard. Um, I realized how much I actually just hated personal training. Um, just working with kind of general population clients that aren't very motivated. They just want to look good. Let's be honest. Um, and I, I was always wanting to be in the professional sports world. Um, especially soccer, uh, grew up playing, you know, through college, um, wanted to play, pro um just uh i didn't i didn't put in enough time and efforts during my younger years in high school and college to actually make it pro i mean decent college player but you know that's that's a whole nother topic um right, right. yeah after personal training um i realized that you know i, I love weightlifting and i love sports strength and conditioning is kind of pretty much weightlifting for sports right. or athletes. It's right. specific. Um, and after, after our internship together at, at Harvard, I was like, okay, this is, this is what I've been looking for. This is what I want to do. Um, you know, you have highly motivated individuals that want to get better and that you can push and do advanced concepts with and really help them along in their career, which I wish I would have had um, in my college days. Um, that's one of the things that motivates me is now being able to use what I know and help the kids, um, you know, high school to college athletes to professional 
right. help them along their, their journey. Um, and so that's really what motivated me to get into strength and conditioning. And um, so I, I did three internships, of course, with Harvard. Um, I did one over the summer with Holy Cross football right, right. and with UGA's Olympic sport programs. Um, and while I was working at UGA, um, I interviewed for a job with Atlanta United being the academy sport performance coach. Um, I, I got that and that's, that was my way, my door into professional soccer, um, right. being into the sporting world. And honestly, I didn't know too much about, you know, what it took to be a sport performance coach in a professional soccer world. Cause you went from strength and conditioning for, you know, college athletes. Yeah. I mean, you're just, you're pretty much just having teams into the, into the weight room, doing their, doing their programs, whatnot. Now going to, you know, with the land United, you're on the field with these teams. You're, you're doing actual warmups for every training, for every game, um, warming up substitutes. You're in the weight room with them doing their training programs. Uh, you're also doing sports science related stuff with the GPS units, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. tracking distances, high speed running, variety of different variables. You're helping the coach to train out um, loading progressions of, of training and comparing that to games. And um, it's uh, it was a lot more intensive than I thought it was. And it was, uh, Honestly, I loved it. So it was it was great to be able to be more involved in the the process and right. more involved in uh, the training regimen and games of athletes. Right. And right. Um, so enjoyed my time in Atlanta United. It was very stressful. Um, <laughs> I didn't get along too well with my boss. Yep. Um, and I ended up getting referred. Um, by one of my, I had two bosses. One of my other bosses that I did get along with referred me to uh, the coach of the U.S. Paralympic team. Okay. And so that's how I transitioned into working with them. And you know, my work, my work with them started uh, about a year and a half, over a year and a half ago. Wow, it's been that long. Wow. Started working with the Paralympic team through that work. Got involved with. The other extended national teams, um, which didn't have anyone at that moment. So um, it went from, you know, one team to now working with four. And that's kind of how I got to where I am now. So, wow. Wow. Good stuff, man. That's a, that's a, and what, what's the diff, like, what have you noticed that's different from going from the, because when we were, when we were interns and we were seeing stuff and we were getting taught things and they were having us do the catapult stuff with rugby and football, if, if we even got chose to do that and doing a little bit of that data science stuff and getting thrown into this and being able to be like, okay, how do I need to use this data to apply it to my athletes? Like, how is that difference going from seeing college, you being in college and having either, I don't even know if, did Barry even have a strength coach for you guys? No, absolutely not. We had right. nothing. So you yeah. guys were training yourselves, if that, if you were training yourselves. And going from that to seeing what like Harvard was and the D1 school was like, going to Holy Cross, going to UGA, seeing those things, and then going to the professional side of stuff. Like what are the differences that you saw there? Like what 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 did you like from each? What did you hate from each? I mean, Strength and conditioning, I still, and this is a question I have for you later, like where do we see strength and conditioning going? Because it is all over the place right now with Instagram yeah. influencers, all that stuff. But we'll get to that. But what did you see differences? In, like which one did you like the most and stuff like that? Like where, if that if that question made sense for you, you know? I, I think I know what you're getting at. But yeah, yeah um, I know like the catapults was very new to like Harvard. Um, yeah. I mean, they were just using that with the lacrosse team for the first time football team was using them i'm not sure too much what they were using them for exactly yeah, i, I think, think it was did, just yeah. like okay this is some information that's cool um i don't know what really they did with it mm -hmm. if anything to be honest um i'm sure <laughs> it, it's it's i'm sure it's evolved from there to there they're now um at least with football using it more extensively yeah um but that was the main thing with like 
you know, the, the pro clubs and, and Atlanta United and the MLS, uh, the extent to which they use that, that data and apply it to training is just night and day compared to, you know, what we were seeing right. at Harvard when I'm sure that is at most of the collegiate level. Um, a lot of it, a lot of it has to do with really seeing what the metrics are that are put out during the game um, through players and then tailoring training to make sure that that training is preparing them for uh, actual gameplay. Right. So, you know, um, that's, I mean, that's the bread and butter of why you use it. Um, it's also big for, you know, rehab players, getting them back to, mm -hmm. you know, the numbers that, that they were used to seeing uh, pre-injury. Um, it's really big in the rehab setting. Um, but for mainly it's, it's, can we, can we use these to tailor training and prepare our athletes better for what they are seeing um, in game demand? Right. right. Um, and it's, it's every, I've seen, I've seen it used very extensively um, by some coaches and other coaches, you know, are still kind of old school. Um, don't really. Yeah. They'll, so I, they'll know, get... I, I don't mean to laugh, but it's just, it's funny to like, you see, so many, even in the college level, I mean, you remember, you see so many coaches that are like, we're going to bench deadlift and we're going to squat. And that's what's going to, yeah. you're going to do to be an athlete. And it's like, okay, but does a soccer, does a soccer player need to do that much upper body work? Does, you know, this right. guy's torn his ACL four times. What are we doing? You know, like, but sorry, I digress. I No, know. I mean, it's, and I, I'm kind of at the point too, where I, I see both sides of it. Yeah. Um, and I, I would say that I'm kind of somewhere in the middle because I have seen um, coaches and organizations that rely, I want to say, too much on on metrics and mm -hmm. on, you know, data science and kind of being a little bit too safe, perhaps. Yep. Um, so, I, I mean, I definitely saw that, especially with some of the academy teams. Um but I, I definitely, it's, it's very useful to use. There's absolutely use in it, but I'm at the same time, it's, it's still, it's a sport. Like it can't be just knocked down. Everything can't just be knocked down to a science. Um, and I'm very much in the realm of using it, but keeping it simple. Right. Right. Okay. So what are, what are these, you know, five to 10 metrics that, that we want to measure and, it's it's a tool to help us train and prepare but i don't i don't see it much more than that you know there's there's people that really i think will look too much into it and try to do too much mm -hmm. i don't even know enough to do too much with it honestly right right still learning i'm still learning as as i go here um but to me it's it's you got to keep it simple and that's that's how that's how I look at, at using, um, you know, the, the data science from, from GPS units and, and whatnot. Right. So. Okay. What do you guys use too? What, what units do you guys have? Uh, we use, um, stat sports apex. Okay. Okay. Um, which they're, uh, they're good units. Um, honestly haven't worked too much with catapult. I know that those are more, um, they have a better, realm in the especially indoor sporting world sort of like basketball uses mm. catapult okay um those those are uh those are better for indoor sports I'm, i've heard that much but okay. i haven't worked too much with catapult okay uh and what's that like what's what's some of the adjustments that you've had to make going from you know the college world training the personal training stuff into the higher level soccer like wh what kind of adjustments were made there what are your relationships with the coaches like is it similar to what you saw at Harvard and in, in the lower levels of things? Because I remember, I mean, even at UMass Lowell, we, you know, the coach would come in and be like, I want them doing band work and I want them doing that and this, and they need, they all need to be this weight and they all need to be at this specific body fat percentage and stuff like that. And there's a lot of, you know, coaches obviously stepping in and at, at a college level, it's obviously hard. I mean, you know that it's hard to mm -hmm. balance that. What's that like at the higher level? Is it more between you and the athlete or is it still the coach is like, I want this, or is it, it's all on you go. You're the professional. 
there's definitely more freedom in what I'm doing now. Um, I don't have someone, for example, telling me that, yeah, oh, they're going to, they're going to do this for 10 minutes. I want you to lead them doing this warm up. I want you, you know, I want them doing bands for, for 15 minutes. I want them doing mobility, whatever. That's pretty much left to, to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, especially with my coaches now, um, they have a lot of trust in me just taking, taking the warm ups, doing what I think is appropriate. That's awesome. Same thing with the strength training programs. Um, you know, they, they pretty much leave that up to me and it's more, um, it's more enjoyable for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, even at I, right now, I don't have someone in sport performance, uh, immediately above me in the ENT department. It's just me. Right. Um, so it's, uh, I've, I've had more freedom there and it's more enjoyable than say when I was with Atlanta, that I've got someone directly over me, um, who's kind of telling me more of the things that he wants to see, um, things that maybe I don't agree with. Right, right. Um, so it's, it's definitely more enjoyable to have, have that, um, that freedom. Okay. But yeah, going, um, going from, you know, collegiate athletes to even to academy players at a professional club. Um, there's, there's a lot more that's being demanded of them, to be honest. Right. Re- versus in college is like from the strength conditioning department. Okay. Show up, do your lifts. That's pretty much all that we can control. Um, when you're with these professional clubs, uh, it's kind of, your duty, make sure everyone's eating right, make sure everyone's preparing their bodies the right way, making sure that they're doing recovery uh, properly. Um, so there's, uh, I mean, it's even down to something as simple as monitoring ice baths, making sure that they're doing it for 10 minutes after training. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's just a little bit more involved and there's a little bit more responsibility, I'd say, than, than, um, than I saw at least interning and in, in, collegiate sport right right so now i lost my question but i have it don't worry it's there it's in the noggin man don't don't you worry about that i know it's in there it's there look at this hair man it's all growing up big crazy greek head i know (laughs) oh man but so at the professional level obviously that's their job right so they have all of these resources available to them for recovery for training like yourself like being able to go to the coach and look at film and sit down and talk about what needs to be worked on i'm assuming you guys have like skill guys also besides just the main coaches doing up like you know but how does that affect your job i'm assuming in a positive way because of the fact that they're able to have the resources like, I don't know if they have massage therapists, physical therapists, you know, have all the people being like, do ice this, let's work on this mobility thing. Let's get in there for manual therapy. Like let's do these things. Do you see that as a, and this might be a stupid question, especially coming out of a strength coach's mouth, but is that something that you enjoy having more for them because it allows you to get your job done better because it's not like, okay, this is the plan. We have this, you know, annual plan set out and ready to go, but this kid went out drinking last night and gassed himself and can barely hit 45% where these guys come in and they're like, I'm going to go to the, I'm going to go get warmed up. I'm going to go do therapy. I'm gonna go hit a hot, like a hot bath before I come out, like whatever, to be able to help them be ready to do everything they need to do. Like, what's that like having that kind of difference now? Is that making your job easier so that you can really push them for the next level? How's that going? It's uh, it's, it's great. The, the only thing is with these national teams, um, I'm never, I'm hardly ever in the weight room with them because mm. these guys live all over the place. Right. Um, they travel to camps or to tournaments and we don't go in the weight room when we're, you know, doing training camps of sessions twice a day. Um, now when we're in camps and tournaments, there's all hands on deck. We have athletic trainers, you know, physical therapists, um, chiropractors, you know, masseuses, especially right. on, on tournaments like, um, world cups. Um, I mean, it's, it's all hands on deck. They have every Avenue available to them to perform at their best. Um, and that's, that's awesome because, um, especially when we're, 
you know, for example, for the Beach World Cup, we were down in Argentina and Paraguay for close to a month. Um, and that's and that's training every day. That's going to and from the fields, um, recovery at the at the hotel, making sure they're eating right. Right. And you're all of this in a in another country. Um, it's it's amazing to have that support um, and to have so many. And the staff is is great with with U.S. Soccer. We all work really well together. Good. Um, very well managed. Um, so it's it's awesome to have all that support. And the problem though is when they go back to their homes and now they're in this setting where they don't have all that support um and honestly they're just getting programs that we're sending them and we expect them to do that um and i do monitor them um we're starting to use an app where i can physically see if they're logging in and doing their workouts oh, nice. um but it, it still comes down to them being intrinsically motivated to do what we expect them to do. Right. And so it's, it's, again, they go from, you know, being waited on hand and foot when they're at these tournaments and, and camps to going back home and expecting to do the same thing on their own. Right, um, right. So that's, that's one of the challenges with, with national teams um, is that, you know, I can't be there physically to take our athletes through workouts. And obviously that's ideal. You want to be able to coach them up on the spot make sure that they're doing correct weights, right, um, make right. sure they're doing their mobility and prehab work. Um, so that's, that's one of the, and some, some teams are better than, than others. Um, you know, with some, some of our teams, I can trust that their majority of them will go back and they're going to do the program to a T. They're going to come back to our next camp or tournament ready to go. Other teams were, were having to, to really kind of build that up and, build that trust between athletes and coaches because they're coming from again an environment where they didn't have the sport performance level right, that is right. now being put on them and again they're not being paid when they're away from camps and tournaments um they don't you know there's not a beach soccer professional league in america <laughs> right, right you know right. there's not a futsal professional league in america some of these guys are, are playing um like professional indoor soccer some of them might be on a USL um, lower division professional team. Okay. Majority of them are just playing for fun on their own and still training. So okay. um, that's that's one of the, the big challenges is ensuring that they're taking care of themselves away from camps and tournaments. Right, so. right. Okay. Wow. So this is so I mean so this is but you guys have been seeing some pretty good growth going towards that right like being able to maybe getting this being a full time thing is that even possible for the USA right now do you see it going in a good direction for you guys or um well one of the so I I think it's the the sport performance has already grown with the extended national teams branch and it's continuing to grow these teams are beginning to pick up some more popularity and more right. support from the rest of us soccer. Um, but for example, this women's beach soccer team, uh, we just started last year. So it was the first ever women's beach soccer team. Mm -hmm. um, futsal came back this past year for the first time of a three year absence. So this futsal team wasn't around brand new coaching staff in. Wow. Um, so we're trying to, I mean, there's a list of, of ranked countries and then us is like way down here. We're yeah. just trying to put futsal back onto to the world map. Okay. Really. Um, we have great coaches, great coaching staff that, that um, is doing really well with that. And, you know, we're, we're hoping in the future that we have some beach professional soccer leagues some futsal professional soccer leagues. But right now it's, I mean, we're, we're starting from the bottom. So we're yeah. just trying to, to, to build up to where we are recognized as a, you know, legitimate team to compete against. Right, right. So. Yeah, we actually, I had, um, I don't know if you, I don't know if you saw it or not, but his name was Chuck Inequechi. Uh He's he's like number eight thrower in the world. Uh, I met him when I was out at Purdue and I had him on and I interviewed him last time and we were talking about how the U.S. is so behind when it comes to supporting 
sports as like a profession and being able to like give the people that could literally put the United States on the map when it comes to sports and be able to fund those people and like really give them a chance to have have the massage therapy, have a PT on hand, have an ice and a hot bath at home, like all of these things to help them have that recovery to push them to the next level. We're so far, far behind when it comes to track and field, when it comes to weightlifting, soccer, like, you know, I mean, like, it feels like we're even lucky we have a professional soccer circuit, like full, you know what I mean? Like full size soccer. And, you know, we're, we, we hope that we're going to go in that direction, but who knows, you know, like we just, everyone fo- is so focused on, I don't know, but just baseball and football, I guess, American football, I guess, than, right. than anything, you know? Um, so, so you, but it's good. So you guys are seeing like, there's going to, there's a presence now and it's, and it's hopefully going to gain some more traction as, as you guys start growing more. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we, um, I'll just use the futsal team. For example, we, we had our first, we did an international tournament right before Corona um, happened. Mm-hmm. We went to Croatia and competed in a tournament against, you know, Slovenia, uh, Macedonia, Morocco, or the African world champions in futsal. Oh, wow. um, and another team, but I'm forgetting who they are. Anyways, uh, it was our kind of first tournament, first time on the world stage in, you know, years. And um, we did really well, um, impressed um, coaches from various countries. After this tournament, you know, we've, our, our you know, head coaches has told me we've been receiving invitations from a lot of the top futsal countries in the world nice. to either host us in a tournament or come to the U.S. and play against us nice. because they they loved, you know, how coming off of a three-year absence, we are already at a level where we're competing against some of the top countries in the world. And just the, the way that our, our coach has run the organization. Um, so it's, it's already, it's already getting out there. Awesome. Um, and Hell yeah. it's, it's very unfortunate that it was right before this time in Corona. And now, you know, the whole, whole world has, has stopped here yeah. for a bit in terms yeah. of professional sports traveling and whatnot. Um, but yeah, there's, uh, we're, we're definitely on the, on the right path there to gaining more traction and, and putting, uh, futsal on the world map. And that's just an example there. I think women's and men's beach also, um, along with, with Paralympic soccer, they're all growing and, um, yeah, the sky's the limit. Okay. Um, this actually fits perfectly into a couple of fan questions. I don't know if you knew this, but I had posted on Instagram and asked people for, you know, I let them know that we were talking to a USA strength coach for soccer and like throw in some stuff. And one person was literally just like, what the hell is futsal and how is it different? <laughs> so, Not surprised. Not surprised. <laughs> I, yeah. That's, that's like when I say beach soccer too, everyone's like, what? Yeah. Beach soccer. What is that? Like, what does it sound like? <laughs> yeah. Futsal. Futsal. Yeah. A lot of people don't know what futsal is, um, but it's actually a, uh, Brazilian sport originally it started in okay. Brazil um, it's it's indoor soccer it's uh, 5v5 the ball is a little bit smaller and heavier um, oh, so okay. it's not yeah it's not bouncing around as much um, futsal is one of those sports especially in Europe and South America where every every child grows up playing it because it teaches so much more of the fundamental movements um, and touches on the ball that you need. You get 600 times more touches on a, on a ball playing wow. futsal than in outdoor soccer. Wow. Okay. Because it is, it's a confined space, pretty much like a basketball court, a um, little bit bigger. But uh, it really teaches you to have a great first touch. You're always under pressure. So you have to know what you're doing ahead of time receiving the ball. You have to move intelligently off the ball. Um, it's, it's very fast paced, very quick accelerations, decelerations, change of speed movements. It's all basically perfect environment to learn to play the game mm-hmm. and to then the carryover to outdoor soccer is huge. Um, and that's, that's one of the reasons it's so popular in Europe and South America is it's used with you know, every child grows up playing. The best in the world have grown up playing futsal. Right, right, right. You know, um, Ronaldo, Messi, like 
everyone grows up, they, they learn futsal from a young age because it helps with that development. Right. Um, right. But that's, uh, that's one of the reasons that we're trying to grow this over here in the U.S. too, is because if we have more futsal leagues for, you know, young kids to play in, mm-hmm. um, they'll grow up being better soccer players. Simple as that. Right, right. Um, and it's, it's just massive for player development. And it's also, I mean, super entertaining to watch. It's, it's fast-paced. Um, there's not as many stoppages. Actually, it's, it's pretty much just nonstop. Um, but it's, it's two 20-minute uh, two halves, and it's 5v5 nonstop. You, you pretty much have line changes like in, in hockey where okay. the player can just run off. Um, you have to make it between a certain little zone mm-hmm. on the bench they run off another player can go straight on. Um, so it's, it's great. It's, it's like a combination of hockey and, and soccer. Okay. So. All right, cool. Well, there's your, there's the answer to your question. Whoever asked that, there you go. That's what's all. And here's another one for you. Since we already, you brought up um, like the pandemic and everything that's going on. How has, how has Corona affected training and recruitment for you guys? Like, how is that? What's what? Are the, how have you guys adjusted? What were the issues that you guys saw going into it? Have you guys been able to have team practices at all? Because I'm assuming you guys do something similar to. I was talking to Connor obviously because he was doing the he does the rugby stuff and they do sometimes mm-hmm. like almost once a month they get together for a camp or once every few months whatever it is and they get together to like obviously go through plays work together see what's going on try to build some chemistry. So how has that affected you guys on your side? Very challenging. Very challenging, not ideal at all. Right. Um, basically, um, it it depends on on the really the head coach of each of these four teams. Okay. Um, some do it a bit differently, um, but pretty much it has been me providing programs through um, through this app or just sending them extra work to do. It started off with, you know, all gyms were closed. So it pretty right. much just had to be at home, body weight workouts that they could do, you know, more focused on mobility, flexibility and stuff. You're not going to, you're not going to gain too much just working out of your apartment. You know, you're not going to get in, in ideal shape doing that. Right. So at first it was, it was very, very difficult. Um, but now it's progressed to some, some people have gyms that are open. Um, we're doing zoom sessions, um, of tactical training. So our, I'll use the, the, the beach teams, for example, every Friday we'll do a zoom session. Um, I'll go on and I'll do a little warm up mobility circuits. And then our head coach will take them through technical drills with the ball. They'll do that for an hour, some conditioning and then a cool down. And that's, um, every Friday that's been going on with the men's and women's beach teams. Okay. Um, the, the futsal team is, is similar. They are being sent technical drills to do with the ball. Um, and they video it, send it into the head coach, um, all their strength training. Uh, I've, I've sent programs through the app and I'm just kind of monitoring. It depends on where they live, but they either have a gym or, um, they don't have a gym. So there's two programs that I send out ones mm-hmm. for use with no equipment, ones for use in a gym. Um, basically they just choose one depending on where they are. And I will just monitor the, the app, see who's doing the workouts, provide attendance, attendance logs to the coaches. And that's kind of where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of in-person camps, uh, it's likely not going to be until next year. Um, U.S. soccer is, has been a bit different than other professional sports in this country. Okay. Um, and it's it's likely not going to be until next year that we're able to get together in person at a camp again. So until then, it's doing what we can. And um, again, it's not I- ideal, but we're just trying to make sure that, you know, the progress that we've built up to isn't completely lost, that we're at least going to be able to meet when we meet next year in camp. Um, we're able to to be at the level at least where we were and continue to build up from there. Okay. So. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it doesn't sound like you're in any different of a situation than most people, right? <laughs> right. It's hard, man. It really is. Every time there's like a little glistening of light, everyone's just like, uh, reset, you know? 
Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. But so how, uh, what kind of challenges has it been, have you had as a coach training Paralympic athletes, you know, like, how is that, how is that adjustment? Because I mean, that's not something that I mean, most coaches get experience with even in college, you know? Right. So right. we might've had, we might've been lucky with like one or two at Harvard or something like that, but there hasn't been much exposure to that in general. So how do you, how do you approach training for Paralympic athletes? How do you focus on like balancing, you know, different issues that they might have being able to fix that and their training? Like, how does that work? Right. So first I'll just, um, I'll classify what each, each Paralympic sport is a bit different in terms of what you're classified as to be able to participate in that sport. Some okay. are missing limbs. This isn't that. Um, soccer is a bit different. So you either have to have had a traumatic brain injury in the past, a stroke or cerebral palsy. Okay. So it's one of those three conditions. Um, and based on how severe your condition is, you'll get um, labeled as a one to a three. So one being the most severe symptoms, three being the least severe. And the three, uh, example, the, the, the three on our team would never be able to tell he has a disability at all. Just is a phenomenal soccer player. Can't tell that he has any compensations whatsoever. Wow, cool. But all these players are tested um, before tournaments and classified as to what level that they are. Um, but that's that's what it you're classified as to be able to play on the Paralympic soccer team. Okay. Um, for me, they are the they're the best athletes that I, I work with because they are just extremely grateful and happy to be able to play soccer still. That's awesome. Yeah. Be on a national team nonetheless and be able to travel the world and, and play, you know, the sport that they love so much. I mean, we've got war veterans on there, um, you know, guys that have had cerebral palsy since birth. Um, they are, they're the most rewarding athletes to work with. Um, they're the most dedicated. That's the team that I can send them home with a strength program. And I, I know that, you know, majority of them are going to follow it to a T and they're going right. to ask questions. Um, and they're, they're the best athletes to work with. Um, in terms of like what I've had to change, honestly, it, it hasn't been much. I treat them like normal athletes. Um, only thing is if they, I mean, we will do a little bit more emphasis on single arm, single leg work, contralateral training, um, right. a little bit, a little bit more balance, um, training. Right. Right. But honestly, I, I don't treat them, you know, any, any different. Right. Um, and they are, they're never going to be one to, you know, complain about something or, or say that they can't do this. Um, now, obviously, you know, there are players with an impaired arm or an impaired leg that physically, physically cannot do some of the exercises. Right. Um, when that's the case, I just tell them, hey, you know, anything that you can't do or you're uncomfortable doing, reach out to me. I'll give you a substitute exercise okay. um, that's, that's appropriate for the outcome that I'm looking to achieve from that exercise. Right, right. Um, but other, other than that, it really has just been um, kind of tailoring to their individual needs in that sense. Um, but like I said, none of them are going to say that they can't do something. They're always right. going to try and push through it. And sometimes I'm gonna, okay, I've got to, you know, even send them back a little bit. It's like, I don't, I don't like the look of that exercise um, that you're doing. I'm gonna give you a substitute that, that still accomplishes the same thing. Um, but like I, like I said, there hasn't been a whole lot different. They're phenomenal athletes. They work hard and um, they're, they're great to work with. Yeah, so. I, I really hope a lot of people listen to this because that just I could literally use just that segment and put that up and people can get so much out of that. Like these are people that have had some kind of circumstance in their life that caused them to have something and they look at everything in a completely different sight. Like if people could just get that mindset down for just normal everyday shit, like just getting up, making your bed, getting up and, you know, just 
uh, you know, I've been sitting in front of my desk. I'm going to do a couple of sit stands in my chair today. Like every hour I'm going to sit, put 20 up something, you know what I mean? Just looking at it at a different, like through a different, just glasses, you know, it's just, it's so hard oh, yeah. to people want, you know, that all the time. It's not a remote solution. It's something that takes years of just doing it over and over again to get, you know, and it's just, mm -hmm. these people have such a good, oh, just a good view. And this actually goes into another question from somebody where they asked about mindset of your athletes and their work ethic differences and what you see from your athletes now to what you've worked with in the past, you know, like what, what do you see there? Do you see them having a more successful mindset and you see them getting more success because of it? Floor is yours. Yeah. Man. Go for yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, like I was just kind of saying with the, the para team, that's, that's the easiest example for me would in, in terms of work ethic. So I went from, you know, working with academy players who everything is paid for. Um, you know, they they feel like they've already made it. They're at a professional club. They're training at the same field as, you know, first team Atlanta United players. Right. And they just don't, they get to a point where they don't understand that they have to work just as hard to stay where they're at that they did to get there. And some of them think that the the talent that they have is is enough. And that's why there's so many players that rotate through those systems is because they're, they're not going to put in the work to, right. to stay there. And they, they really take it for granted. Everything's paid for. They're weighted on hand and foot. They lose the concept of staying hungry and working hard to improve and to progress um, up to a professional standpoint. Um, so the, going from that environment where you know kids complaining don't want to do the workouts don't want to do the things that i'm telling them going to this paralympic team well hey they're all just so grateful to be playing soccer still anything that you tell them to do they're going to do it 100 percent with a good mm -hmm. mindset and it was it was amazing to see and i was i was like i, I should have started working with this team in the first place yeah um, i mean it was it was awesome and that kind of goes also with um, our other national teams in the sense that they are not professional um, players outside of the national team. A lot of them don't have a, a club to go back to and play professional futsal or professional beach soccer with. Um, but there's still a, a competition to be on this national team and mm -hmm. representing your country on the world stage. Right. So. They go back and a lot of it, they know that they've got to be intrinsically motivated. They have to have that motivation from within to go back, do what they need to do, train, come to this camp, impress coaches to be able to go to a World Cup and compete, right. which is, you know, that's the highlight of, of your career is going to these tournaments that are in foreign countries playing against the best other beach teams in the world where, you know, in other countries, they do have professional futsal and professional beach soccer leagues. Um, so their, their mindset is, is also at an elite level. Right. I, I view um, because they, they've got to really take it upon themselves. They're not going to have a trainer an athletic trainer, a head coach with them every day to make sure they're doing these things. You know, they've got to go, back from these camps, make sure that they're preparing and taking care of their bodies so that they can come in and press and make, make these tournaments. So, right. Right. Um, I mean, it's, that's, that's what, one of the reasons that I love working with the extended national teams is just the work ethic and the mindset of, of all of our athletes is, you know, phenomenal. Right. So, so this might be a hard question then, because I mean, it seems like most, if not all of your athletes have are have that intrinsic value like they know that they need to work hard they know that hard work is in itself a talent you know it's, it's something that not a lot of people realize that if you work your ass off like that's that's something to be said of in your own in its own you know but how do you how how can someone develop that like what have you seen that some of your athletes or maybe even you might have some good input on this too with yourself and your background like how do you develop that that mindset for success? What are some simple things that people can do to really start working towards a better outlook on what they're doing? 
it's the million dollar question right isn't there. Isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> um, it really is. I, I know from some things that I wish that I would have known, you know, growing up and, and playing, you know, at a, at a, you know, high level for where I was at. Um, I wish I would have taken more onto myself um, to take the responsibility of doing things that I know needed to be done, such as instead of not drinking, instead of not going to a party, go train, get some extra touches on the ball, get some extra conditioning in. And that's something that really can't be taught. Um, it's really something that you've got you've to understand what your goal is and you've got to make sacrifices. And it's very hard to do that unless you, are, you have tunnel vision on your goal so that nothing else matters. Um, one of the, yeah, one of the most important things that, that you can do, I think from a younger age is just start taking that responsibility on yourself to do things that you know will help you to get to your goal instead right. of just waiting for someone else to tell you to do it, getting that extra training in, doing some recovery on your own, starting to eat right. Um, there's, there's a lot that can be done that, that young athletes especially just don't do until they get told to do it. So, I mean, learning from a young age what you need to do and taking it upon yourself to do it um, is, is one of the main things that, that I think can, can help turn a potentially pro player to, okay, this guy is gonna be a pro athlete. And that's right. what I've seen with, especially some of the younger guys that it's um, Atlanta United you can pretty much tell which ones are going to make it to the next level because they show up with the right mindset. They do training on their own. They eat right. They do recovery right. You know that they're not going out partying, drinking. Um, it's just more of a maturity that you see at their age that mm -hmm. they, they know what they want and they're going to do everything that they can to get there. Right. Um, right. And so it's very, for me, it's it was it was very easy to see who who is going to progress to playing on the on the first team on the pro team versus who is just going to weed out who's more concerned with other things, doing their own thing. Right, right. Um, and again, it's it is hard when when you're that age to make sacrifices like that. Um, yeah. But again, it, it comes down to to how bad you want it and it's, it's very hard to teach that. So mm -hmm. that's, I mean, so many people are, are asking that, that same question. Right. Um, right. But uh, autonomy, doing things yourself, um, learning to take on that responsibility is, is one of the main skill sets. I think you can start to learn at a, at a younger age. So, right. Right. All right. Well, I don't know if that really answered the question. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's, I mean, question. I think there's, it is right. And I think a lot of people are going to have different, different kind of views on that and opinions on that too. I think they all going to, they're kind of, kind of hover around the same idea, but they're all going to have different, you know, just different like specifics that everyone's like, this is what worked for me. It worked for this person. And it's right. kind of up to, up to everybody else at home to kind of take what's said and like, okay, this worked for them. Let me try this. This doesn't work for me. You know, throw that away, go to the next thing, you know? So it's, it's tough, you know, it's something that, you know, it's always a good question to ask and see what other people's opinions are on it. Yeah. Um, I think this one came from a, a fellow coach, but how do you personally maintain your training with coaching and traveling and all that stuff? Like how, how have you been able to balance that in your life? Luckily, um, I, I go from, you know, traveling for anywhere from a week to a month um, to coming back and having downtime where I don't have as much work to do. I can kind of just plan, work from home, work with some of the athletes in our area. I have much more time during that time to do my training. And I, I'm in the gym, you know, four days a week. I do training similar to the programs that I send out to athletes. Um, course I tailor them a bit for myself I don't have the right. same goal, goals as they do I don't need to do the same training um, but I, I take my training very seriously still um, and I, I program out all of my training and and phases um, so the one the one thing that is difficult is when when I'm traveling um, 
And a lot of times it's, you know, in hotels that, that have one of those little rinky dink rooms with a few dumbbells and a few treadmills. Um, but I, I honestly kind of take that as those are kind of like my deload kind of anywhere from a week to a few weeks yeah. where I'm, I'm just taking a break from the heavy resistance training that I'm used to. I'm doing more of playing soccer with the guys. I'm doing more, you know, interval sprint training. I'm doing more um, stuff uh, like HIT circuits. Um, so for me, I just kind of treat that as a time to kind of unwind from my regular training, which I do push myself very, very hard um, in the gym. And I'm always trying to improve my lifts, um, right, right, right. improve my technique, improve my PRs. Um, so it's, I, I found that, you know, I, I will come back from, from say, you know, three weeks of traveling um, and not doing that heavy training. I, I come back and I honestly haven't, haven't lost much. And it's yeah. almost, it's, it's a good way to reset for me. Um, but also it's, it's kind of, it's impossible to continue the training program that, that I will do here in my own gym, right. Um, you know, in a small gym in Argentina, that's only got, you know, dumbbells up to 15 pounds. So you kind of have, you're forced, you're forced to change how, how you train. Um, but again, I, I, I still find ways to just switch it up on these trips and, you know, do some, do some different things, have, have fun, play a little bit more soccer. Um, so that's, that's the most challenging part, but it's, um, it's honestly, it, it works out well with, with my schedule to be able to do that and then come back and continue on. So, right. Right. Okay. Cool, man. Cool. You got a couple, you got some more time for a couple more questions. What do you think? Got all the time in the world for you. For me? Oh, baby. Yeah. As long as you, as long as you show me those calves at the end of this, I'll, 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 I'll bring. I'm not that flexible. I'll try to do it right now if you want. I gotta... Oh, baby, look at those! Wow. Those. Yeah, the hams haven't changed too much, man. They haven't changed too much. <laughs> um. So a couple people asked questions about what you see being the most important for soccer athletes to keep, maintain a healthy career, and a lot of people want to know how injuries have been different like what do you see in different like for you know para athletes like are do you see injuries being still similar to what you would see with like you know soccer players on a on a normal sense i don't mean to be offensive in any way um right right um you know what do you see is the most important for soccer athletes for a healthy career maintain a healthy career and injuries how are they different how do you approach them is this something that you've had to kind of learn throughout it do you work with your ats on that stuff like that Mm-hmm. Um, for the first question, it's, uh, soccer is a very intensive sport. Um, and your, your training has, it's, there's nothing that's going to prepare you as well for playing soccer than it is playing soccer. Um, training, uh, is of course we, we do everything we can to make it as specific as possible to soccer. I still hear of a lot of coaches sending their athletes on, you know, long, slow distance runs. Um, I've, I'm almost to the point where even for recovery, I'm not going to have them do anything long, slow distance. Everything's going to be interval training. Um, and that's, that's one of the main, main things that I've, I've come to, to understand there is um, just the, the specificity of training and how much that relates to the muscle characteristics and the fiber types and that long, slow distancing, long, slow distance training, um, I think is just so detrimental to the sport of soccer because you're just, that's not the type of training that they need. That's right. not the muscle characteristics that they need. Um, for me, that's, that's been huge. Um, also being more explosive. Um, a lot of these athletes have never done explosive resistance training. Um, uh, especially with, with futsal and with, I'm sorry, that just, my, my mind just like farted for a second. What? 
They're not yeah. used to it. Yeah. They've never even not seen it, it, really. Not used to it. Not used yeah, to doing crazy, isn't it? a lot of them never done hang cleans or any sort of, of Olympic lift derivative. Um, I program a lot of stuff with med balls, um, a lot of plyos. Plyos are, are huge for, for soccer. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of Olympic derivatives. I don't, obviously, nothing too crazy with that. Um, again, they're not weightlifters, but they are going to learn. And that's another challenging part is I can't be eyes on helping them to learn a hang clean. Right. You know, right. they can they can send me videos. I can give them pointers, tips, things to improve it. Um, so that's challenging, but we do a lot of, a lot of explosive resistance, um, in, in programming. And when I get them in camps, we'll do plyometrics. We'll do, um, speed and agility drills, uh, a lot, a lot of stuff that they honestly haven't, haven't done in the past. Um, nutrition is also obviously huge for, for soccer. And, um, you know, it's, it's so intensive. It's, it's 90 minutes of, you know, interval training, basically sprinting, jogging, sprinting, jogging, right. um, a lot of accelerations, decelerations. So teaching them, I'm not a nutritionist, I'm not a dietitian, but teaching them just the basics um, and, and helping, helping them at least gain some more knowledge and insight into what they're putting into their body for right. fueling. Right. Um, that's, that's huge. Um, and of course, flexibility, mobility, um, recovery sessions, uh, you know, to, to be at that elite level, you've got to take that, that same mindset that you bring into training, into games, you got to have that same diligence in all other areas as in nutrition, recovery, um, your mobility exercises, your prehab, you really got to take it on yourself, um, to really bring that same attitude as I'm going to go in, give this hundred percent. I'm going to do everything that I need to do. Um, so those are some of the main things that's, that are, that I see that I, I feel separate an elite soccer player, right. um, right. from, from others. Uh, as for the injury question with the, with the para team, it's, it's honestly a lot of the we see the same injuries, regardless concussions, um, you know, hamstring tears, uh, groin pulls, groin tears, ankle, um, ACLs, MCLs. It's it's pretty much the same injuries with the a lot of the para guys. However, their um, especially their affected side, the the muscle is already shortened, mm -hmm. um, and there's just more of a of a risk of of pulling or tearing a muscle um because they they do have an affected side where where uh muscle lengths are a bit shortened or, or a bit different from the other side of their body mm -hmm. um so i i would say we're, we've been lucky and didn't have too many injuries last season but there's still always a feeling of tightness on one side of the body a feeling of maybe i did pull something okay well let's pull him out of training do some extra recovery work there's a bit more of that on the, on the Paralympic team because okay. of that um, dissonance in, in muscle lengths. Right, um, right. So that's, that's one of the main, the main differences that, that I see with other teams. But other than that, the injuries are pretty much the same. Okay. So. Okay. That's interesting. I didn't even think of that to be a, I mean, I haven't had the exposure to, to, or the pleasure to actually work with any kind of para athletes, to be honest. So I didn't even think of, you know, like actual, muscle muscle lengthening being an actual problem i never even yeah you know, and there'll be a little bit good... more um stiffness in the muscles on on their affected limbs and and whatnot um but our you know we have a doctor on on staff all the time with with the para team and yeah. athletic trainers and they're they're great at um knowing how to help prevent um those tears and and helping these athletes perform at their best so what are, so what are, that's a really, that's, I'm sorry. I'm like, this is something I've never really had to have a conversation on. So what, like, what are some things that you guys have been able to find out works for like being able to, is there, I mean, obviously there's only a certain, maybe there isn't, maybe there's a certain way, like a certain amount of time that it would take for them to get back to full control of muscle, you know, like their muscle lengthening and stuff like that, being able to have that range again. 
is there stuff that you guys do that you know has been helping that and like seen really good pay like return from doing certain movements and exercises that allow for them to retrain that kind of lengthening um honestly a lot of it is just genetic and it's not gonna not gonna change yeah um in terms of you know muscle lengths and their affected side of the body that there's just not not much you can do there um what what we have seen that can really improve is is balance and coordination mm -hmm. so much so that you can actually um class out and not be able to play on the team anymore um wow so that's I mean, that's, that's something that we've, yeah, we, we see that that does improve. Um, you can gain back your balance, your coordination, your explosiveness. Um, but in terms of, of those kind of innate um, disabilities that they have, such as shortened, shortened muscle, stiffness in muscle, um, it's not going to change that much. Um, we can do our best to help alleviate tightness and, and um, you know, a lot of a lot of we put a lot into recovery and, and ice baths and right, right. Um, individual sessions with the athletic trainer and massages. Um, so a lot of it is just kind of alleviating that. And, and um, other other than that, there's not a whole lot that you can change. But. Right. Right. All right, man. Now, the the fun, interesting questions that everyone wants to know. What games do you play? Do you watch any anime? Do you do any of these weird, nerdy, weeby things that we all love and do? Please share with us your deepest secrets and darkest secrets. Um, I, I love Call of Duty. Honestly, love Warzone. You know that. Yep. Um, we'll be ripping some right after this, just so everyone. Oh knows. yes. <laughs> well, hopefully you can. So I've done probably about a hundred solo drops in Warzone. Wow. And I've not won a single one. I've come in. Second place, fifteen times now. Oh wow, fifteen that, times. That, that always feels bad, doesn't it? Not, I'm not joking. <laughs> I, I count each time. It's more impressive to me, honestly, that I, I can get down to a one v one, and then I will shoot. I will shoot a guy like fifteen times, and he, <laughs> I'll see him first. I'll shoot him first. He'll turn, shoot me. Somehow I die, and I get second every single time. It's yeah. ridiculous. I, I came in last night. I had. Uh, I did two solos back to back, came in second back to back in both of those and nearly jumped out of my fourth story window. <laughs> I was, I was living. Warzone does that, man. Warzone does that. Um, yeah, I play Warzone and I play, um, I, I'm much better at domination in, in Call of Duty. I'm much better at multiplayer. Okay. Um, and I play PES, which I used to be a FIFA player. PES is um it's it's much better to me the gameplay is better it's more realistic okay so I've switched over to PES but that's the only other game that I play other than Call of Duty and that's okay. Pro Evolution Soccer it's a soccer game okay in case you didn't know okay yeah that was my next question I was like oh yes PES what's that <laughs> you know I can tell you knew nothing about it yeah I'm just sitting there like yeah 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 um, <laughs> of course yeah, yeah. so no anime, no reading, no comics, not a none of that, none of that. Um, uh, we're gonna have to have you back on. We'll introduce you to some uh, stuff. Maybe, yeah, maybe you can you can introduce me to this to this world of yours. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll work on that. But yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of Netflix series that I'm into. Um, but definitely, I've I've got. I'm kind of addicted to Warzone now, for sure. It's hey, been pretty much fair. all I play. That's yeah. fair. I mean, there's a lot of people out there like you, you know. So, all right, man. So, any plugs, any questions, comments, concerns? Tell people your Instagram. Tell people where they can find you. All the soccer stuff that you want to go. This is your time. Okay. Um, well, yeah, my Instagram. I don't. I don't post much in the weightlifting side of things. I like to keep that separate keep the work separate from my my social media but um the instagram is is talk to frank talk dot two to dot frank um so yeah feel free to give me a follow there um other than that i i'm just grateful to to see your face again it's see your crazy while, hair man. yeah man your big ass calves i do my best i do my best you know <laughs> i gotta keep the people pleased you know You'll like how this. You, 
How often do you work on your calves? Just be real. Big old goose egg, baby. Never. Never. All genetics. Never. All genetics. My old man's got, I mean, I was also like 300 pounds for like 14 years of my life. So that probably helped a little bit, you know? So maybe, maybe that's the key. I think, I mean, years, time under tension. It's a good amount okay. of weight. You know what that's I mean? That's a good point. So that's a good point. I might gain hundred pounds and, and see how it works out. Just start walking around in a weight Went vest. back down and see how my calves get. Yeah. Start walking around in a weight vest on your toes at all times. It's not a bad idea. There you go, man. There you go. So I've wanted to have calves like yours. <laughs> I don't know if they'd help you in soccer. The only reason they no, helped I've, me because I was a goalie. Absolutely not, but they would look, <laughs> they would look good. That's true. That's true. They would look Fun good. Fun fact. Uh, so I've been streaming. I've been told, told you this, but uh, my, I've been calling everybody the calf club. So they've been joining the calf club. And I've been told them, I've told them it's scientifically proven that if they subscribe, they gain an inch to their calves. I can't show them the science or the research paper, but it's scientifically proven. Say no more. I'm subscribing. <laughs> All right, man. Dan, appreciate you. Everybody, check him out. Talk to Frank on Instagram. Keep up with him. He posts a good amount of stuff about his things going on with soccer, games, stuff like that, his traveling stuff. Go check it out. Awesome stuff. The guy's basically an influencer himself. All right. So don't call me that. <laughs> We're going to go rip some Warzone, hopefully get some wins. Appreciate you guys for coming. See you guys next time.